function according to it. So our reading, we are going to get it from the book of Genesis chapter 3, from subsection 8 to 11. Genesis chapter 3, from subsection 8 to 11. And then we'll just uh, look at three dimensions or labels that has been provided for by God and designed for humanity. And uh, we may get a revelation that is gleaned based on the theological exegesis that I'm going to release and expostulate to you. It's my prayer this morning that God may give you the advantage and power to give a proper theological exegesis as I'll be disseminating his mind to you. Three levels of perception that God has designed in a man in their highest order. Then I'm going to show you a mystery that is embedded in the kingdom of God that transfers authority and power. That ministry, the time I got that ministry, it changed my mentality and it changed again how I interact in life. Because in the kingdom of God, we thrive and we win based on the amount of revelation that we possess. So if you lack revelation, you lack understanding of the mysteries and the secrets of God, it will be easy for the devil to attack you and to win over your life. So we win, we have victories, or we overcome based on the amount of revelation that we possess, as well as the understanding or comprehension that we have on the mysteries and secrets of the kingdom of God. So the book of Genesis chapter 3, from subsection 8 to 11, is going to give us a summation of what I'm going to be uh, expostulating today. Are we there? Yes. And I'm going to read it from here. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cold of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God, their Lord among trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? That's a question. Uh, Psalms 129. 139, in fact, when uh, David was writing, he said, where can I hide from the presence of God? If I take uh, the wings of the morning, there God is with me. If I put my bed in shield, God is there in the place of the dead. But this particular time, God is saying, where are you? Which simply means that he's not seeing Adam. And we are going to glean and understand what God was trying to say. Was it a geographical question or it was, was it a spiritual question? When God is coming to me and say, where are you, Brian? It's not a geographical location because God sees you even if you go under the water, even if you hide in shield, God can see you. So that one was not a geographical question, but it was a spiritual question. Glory to Jesus. God was saying unto Adam, in which dimension are you now? You have lowered yourself from the spiritual strata where I designed you to operate and you have placed yourself in a, 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 a physical strata where I cannot access you and where you cannot access me. That's the same question that God brought unto Abraham. The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 13 that God visited Abraham in a form of a pre-incarnate manifestation of angels. And when he visited Abraham, God said unto Abraham, where is your wife Sarah? 
And uh, that one was not a geographical question again, because Sarah was in the kitchen. It was a spiritual question or a question of faith. In which level is your wife Sarah's faith is? You, Adam, when I looked at you, I saw that your level of faith is high. But when I'm zooming and I'm looking at Sarah, I'm realizing that your level of faith is a little bit lower. So God is saying, where is Sarah? Glory to Jesus. So when God is visiting you, when you're asleep or in a vision, and he says, where are you, Mudum? He's not asking for a spiritual location. You don't say, I'm in Sunnyside or I'm in Pretoria. You need to check your spirituality. That's what he's asking. That's the, what he is requesting or investigating in your life. When I come to you prophetically and I say, where are you? You must know that it's not a geographical question because I know your address, but it's a spiritual question. Which means if you're in the system and God say, where are you? He's asking about a spiritual position. If you're a preacher, if you're a singer, and he's asking you such question, it's a spiritual question. In which level are you? As a singer, is in which level are you? As a priest, and as a worshiper, in which level are you? As a, a, a giver, in which level are you? As a priest and a worshiper, glory to Jesus. And the Bible says, and he said, now Adam, I shared uh, the sound of your voice walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And uh, 11, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you and bless you. I pray that you may, you may, you may anoint my mind and you may think through me. I pray that you may anoint my lips, that you may speak through me in Jesus' mighty name. I sanctify your word because it's holy. We thank you, we bless you. Amen and amen. So, three levels of perception that God has designed in a man. The first level in their highest order is discernment. Somebody shout discernment. Discernment. I don't hear you shout discernment. Discernment. Then from discernment, there is reasoning. That's the second level, reasoning. Then emotions. That's the order in which God has created humanity to function and operate. As a spiritual being, I always say to people that we are not physical people that are trying to be spiritual when we pray or when we preach or when we sing, but we are spiritual beings that are trying to be physical. So you must understand that you're coming to church, you are not trying to be spiritual. You're reading the Bible, you are not trying to be spiritual, you are already spiritual, but you are in a physical cosmos that you are trying to be part and parcel. That's why the Bible says we are Christ's ambassadors. So when you are Christ's ambassador, you don't belong here in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. You don't belong here. You belong somewhere. So if you belong somewhere, you must operate based on where you belong. Glory to Jesus. So when now we are dealing with this scripture, Sister Lisa, can you help this point? So when you're dealing with this scripture, we said discernment is the highest level, then reasoning, then emotions. In that order, you don't have to switch them. If you ever switch this order, there will be consequences. Which means I'm not supposed to operate out of emotions, short emotions. I'm not supposed to operate from my reasoning capacity, but I'm supposed to operate from discerning capacity. 
So discernment should be the highest faculty of perception, sabbatical perception, followed by reasoning based on the principles of life and logic of scriptures. So which simply means that if I discern, after discernment, I must be in a position to reason, but my reasoning should be based on the principles of life, then on the logic of scriptures, then you used emotions. Emotions, they help us to interact with our environment, they help us to interact with our families, they help us to interact with our cosmos, with our atmosphere. So emotions are very, very important. But you must know where to put them and where you align them. So for as long as the order is followed of uh, this perception, as long as it is followed, the devil can never and will never be able to penetrate you. So the assignment of the devil, the enemy, is to find a way to switch uh, this order. So that instead of you being a discerning person, you start to use your emotions. Instead of being a discerning person, you start to, to use your reasoning capacity. Uh, instead of you being a discerning person, you use the faculties of your senses, which are the five senses. So that's what the devil now tries each and every time to do and to switch these things. Because now there's a weakness with emotions. The impulses of our feelings, uh, will, I'll show you now what transpired with Eve. There is a problem and a weakness when it comes to emotions. Somebody shout emotions. I don't hear you. Let's preach together. So when you use emotions, there is a weakness when it comes to emotions. What are emotions? Emotions, these are impulses of our feelings. Things that are brought or sent or signals that are sent by our feelings. These are what we call emotions. So now when Satan now is coming to Eve, He's not only merely uh, talking to Eve, but he sees something in the realms of the spirit that Eve is not a physical entity, but she's a spiritual entity who functions not with the faculties of the emotions, but she's using another entity and another faculty that is called discerning. So the devil, when now is coming to Eve, he's trying to disconfigure the configurations that God brought and put unto Eve. Because when God configured Adam and Eve, they were configured in a spiritual uh, way, they were configured to operate spiritually. So when the devil is coming, he's trying to disconfigure how they operate. Because the order of operation was Eve should descend, if God coming, if God saying a thing, then she listens. After listening, she uses her emotions. So the devil now is trying to configure the descending part of Eve. Then he is bringing her into a place where she uses emotions and feelings. Are we together? Glory be to Jesus. Now, emotions are very powerful because they are very powerful by the reason that they connect us to humanity, they connect us to emotions. So when the devil now is coming to, to Eve, where we are reading now, God is looking for Adam, he's looking for Eve and saying, Adam, where are you? And Adam is telling now to give reasons. And the Bible says, when Adam uh, answered God, Adam said unto God that I heard your voice uh, walking in the garden of Eden, which means when God is coming to humanity, he does not come walking with the feet, but he walks through the voice or the sound of his voice. So he said, I hear the sound of your voice walking. How can you hear the sound of the voice walking? 
That point, David in the book of Psalms 29 says now that worship the Lord, ye the holy ones of God, and worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Why in verse 3 now of 29, the voice of God thunders, the voice of God is full of majestic, the voice of God is full of power, the voice of God is shaped. The wilderness finish. The voice of God it makes the forest bear. The voice of God it makes Sion to leap like a lamb, and to, it makes Gion to jump like a sheep. That's daily now. Try now to qualify what Adam said that I heard your voice walking in the garden of Eden. I didn't hear your footsteps, God. I hear the voice. Which simply means that when God is visiting humanity when you are sleeping, you don't hear God walking with his feet. But you hear the voice of God walking in your life. I prophesy this afternoon that let someone hear the voice of God walking. As you are going to go back to sleep, let the voice of God start to walk. So emotions, they are so, so dangerous. You must not use them for too long. When you are emotional, you must not use your emotions for too long. Why? Because they have got consequences and emotions are short term. But discernment is long term. That was the reason behind the concept that we had to understand called covenant. The reason why God brought the covenant, he brought the covenant so that it becomes a system that he invents to ensure that man remains a stable entity even though he is an emotional being. So that's why God now is bringing a covenant. Why? Because with emotions you can feel like I want to go to church. I don't feel like going to church. I feel like giving. I don't feel like giving. So God now, for you not to lose you and me, he brought covenants. And he says, let's get into a covenant. I know that you are an emotional being. I know that you are a being that reasons. But because there is a covenant that we have signed together, it will cause you and force you to come, then you start to worship God based on covenant. That's why the people of the old, the likes of Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Noahic covenant, the Davidic. These people, they could sacrifice not based on their spirituality, but because of covenant. There's a particular time that David, he took someone's wife and he vacillated from the ways of God. But because of the covenant, he remembered the covenant and he went back and he sacrificed before God. I see the power of covenant. Abraham Jacob is a man that is a thief and an imposter, but because of the covenant that was established by Abraham, he cannot continue. He is always going to the seal until the temple. The Israelites in the time of Samuel, the Bible says there was a place called Shiloh where there was an altar of God and a covenant that was made between Samuel, Eli, and God. So even though people were not good and straight with God, they were forced through covenants to go up to Shiloh to sacrifice. I recommend getting good. So emotions, they could be overridden by covenants. If I put a covenant with you that every Sunday we must meet at around 10, it's a covenant that we've made so that after maybe 30 days, I give you something. After maybe 60 days, I bless you with something. You come based on the covenant, are we together? But if there is no covenant, you use your emotions. At your workplace, there is a covenant of salary. That's why you wake up even when you're feeling tired. Then you go, you work hard, even when you feel like you don't want to work, because there's a covenant of salary. But if you, your, your boss say that, no, from today onwards, I'm not going to give you a salary, and I'm not going to give you a contract. 
If you feel like not going to work, you don't go. Why? Because there's no covenant. You are an emotional being and a person who receives. Are we together? Come on, somebody shout amen. amen. So God created that system that overrides emotions so that you may be sponsored by another framework that is more than what you feel, that is more than what you think. So covenant is a framework. It's not just a word. It's not about New Testament and Old Testament when you're dealing with covenants. But it's a framework that was created for you so that you override your feelings. It's a framework that was created for me so that I override my feelings. I feel like loving you, but because there's a covenant that I married you, I should love you. Glory be to Jesus. That's why every, but every time when you're in a relationship, the end, a goal of a relationship is that we marry so that it becomes a covenant. I feel like not coming home, but because I've got a covenant with someone's daughter, I must go home. I feel like I must not buy food for you, but because there's a covenant, I must buy food for you. I feel like I must not fly you to Mauritius. I feel like I must not fly you to even Honolulu. But because there's a covenant, I'm forced to fly you. But the moment you operate out of a covenant of a marriage and a relationship, you can call me to come out run because there's no covenant out together. Because I'm an emotional being, I'm a listening being out together. Glory be to Jesus. Yeah. So, so because now men used to depend with emotions, men used now to depend with the listening. God said, I don't want to lose you, I'm gonna place a framework. So now men, when men fell, I want to show you now the system that was put by God to bring men to him. So when men fell, where we have just read, the Bible says, when men fell, God's voice was heard walking in the Garden of Eden. And God did not see Adam, I explained about it, that you cannot hide from the presence of God. But God is saying, where are you, Adam? It's not a geographical question. From today onwards, know that even though Adam was hiding, he was not hiding out of the presence of God, he was hiding within the framework of the presence of God. So God is asking for a, for a spiritual location to say, where are you? I left you with the dominion. I left you with the power. I left you with influence. But I don't feel influence. I don't feel dominance. I don't feel power. Where are you, Adam? And God, Adam started to explain to God and say, I heard you walking and I hid. And God said, what has happened to you? Did you eat of the tree in which I said you must not eat? Glory be to Jesus. And now Adam, he said, the woman that you gave unto me, God, he has beguiled me. That's where the mystery of responsibility comes. Power is transferred in this kingdom that we are. It's transferred through transferring responsibility or through blaming others. We call it blaming. When God comes to me and says, prophecy, why is the church dead? And I say, Brother Mdu did not come to claim what I've just simply did in the kingdom of God. I've transferred power to you. So you start now to operate in my own office unknowingly. When I come to the house of God and there's no one who's singing, and God says, Why is there no one singing? Then I say, So and so is not there to sing. According to our cosmos, I am blaming somebody. But according to God, you are transferring responsibilities. I'm going to show you and shock you. And God said now, and to, and to, and to, uh, uh, God, uh, when he's dealing now with, with a woman, he said unto, unto Adam, what have you done? And Adam said, the woman that you gave unto me. The moment Adam says, the woman 
that you gave unto me, God did not even speak with Adam again. It's recorded in the Bible. That was the last time God spoke with Adam. From Genesis chapter 4 to the last time Adam died, you don't hear God speaking to Adam. The grace is here that God said to Adam, since you blamed the woman, you transferred authority, you transferred blessings, you transferred power to the woman. Then God turned to the woman and said, Woman, what have you done? And the woman said unto God, The serpent beguiled me, and God did not even spoke to Eve again. And if you read your Bible, you will not hear in any record where God spoke to Eve again. And God went to the Lucifer, to the devil, and said to the serpent, What have you done? The serpent kept quiet, never blamed anybody. If you read the Bible, that's how the serpent or the devil got power and authority from Adam. It's not mystical how the devil got power from Adam. We have been trying to preach and trying to figure out how did the serpent and the devil amass the power and usurp the power from Adam. The devil was given power by transference of responsibilities. So what I did myself when I realized this secret and this mystery, nowadays when I do things, I don't complain. When I do things for God, I don't say because so and so is not around. I push because I understand the mystery in the kingdom of God. I used to do it, uh, Lisa, and say, no, the reason why things are in junk and in messy is because Sister Lisa is not around. And I could feel power and virtue coming out, but I couldn't understand what is happening until the Holy Spirit now ministered unto me that the moment you just complain, you are transferring power to somebody. So that's why when you are sleeping wrong and you are not around, you start to, to, to dream prophetically. What I've just done in the kingdom of God, I transfer power to you. Are we together? You start to, to, to see things that are prophetic and apostolic. Why I transfer power when you are at your workplace? Can I prophesy like I feel it? I said, can I prophesy like I feel it? So that's where now you understand when the Bible says, do everything without complaining or arguing. It's a very powerful advice. The Bible says when you do things for God, don't complain, don't argue. This one is because when you do that, you translate power. I'm going to show you what happened with Jesus Christ. So when I'm doing what I'm doing, I must not complain. That, you know, the reason why I'm not giving is because so and so is not giving. You transfer power of money to that particular person. So the moment myself, I complain again about something that is small, I'm transferring power to people. So right now, God now is saying to, 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 to Adam, because you've done that, I've taken power from you. Which simply means that if Eve had not complained, Eve was going to get power from Adam. But because she complained, power was given to the devil. The devil had no one to complain to. That's why he got the keys. When Jesus Christ is walking the earth, the Bible says he came to Jesus Christ with a progress report to the devil. And he said, yes, you chased me from a dimension of the spirit. But when I was in this ground, your people could not keep responsibilities. They transferred responsibility. And when they transferred the responsibility, they transferred power to me. So now I share the power. Glory be to Jesus. I want to prophesy this afternoon that I'm not going to complain over things, but I'm going to work as God has given me the ability and the power. So when the woman, look at the woman, Adam is the one who has been given the power and the authority by God. And when the serpent came to the woman to beguile the woman, if, if you check the Bible, you understand that there are six verses 
in which Eve fought with the serpent. The serpent said, did God say it? And Eve said, no, yes, God said. And the serpent said, but God knew. And Eve said, but it's not like that. They fought for uh, about six times. But when now Eve is coming to Adam, Adam did not even fight for his position. He just took the fruit and ate. But for the devil to give Eve the fruit, he had to fight. Eve did not just take the fruit. But the man was carrying the responsibility and the power, he had to just take the fruit and eat. So if now the woman had kept it silence, she was going to become the head of men. If the woman had kept it, her resilience, she was going to amass authority and power. Are we together? Now you understand why Jesus Christ was quieted before Pontius and Pilate. The Bible in the book of Isaiah says, Isaiah 43, that like a lamb taken to the slaughter, he was quieted and he was beaten for our iniquities. And he was bruised for our healing. And he continued, continued, continued. But the question was, why was Jesus quiet when he was taken before the uh, council of the Sanhedrin? I used uh, to have a lot of questions based on this scripture that I think Jesus was stubborn. Until I understood that Jesus understood now the mystery of responsibilities and blame shifting. The Bible says Jesus was taken before uh, uh, Caiaphas, the high priest. And Caiaphas said unto, unto Jesus, they are saying that you are the king of the Jews, Sabbath king. And Jesus Christ kept quiet. And he started to shake him and said, talk to us. Are you the king of the Jews? He was quiet. Until Caiaphas was enraged and was very angry and he wanted to shake Jesus. And he said, but we are hearing that you are teaching blasphemy, you are teaching apostasy, and Jesus Christ was quiet. Just imagine somebody has been brought to you in a court of law, and there is a case against that person, and the person is looking at the judge. Do you know the judge can be angry? But Jesus Christ was quiet. He understood the mystery in the kingdom. That the moment he was going to say, it's not me, it's Peter, he was going to transfer power to Caiaphas. And why? Because Jesus Christ is the highest priest in the order of Melchizedek. So when he's standing before Caiaphas, he's supposed to remain cool, he's supposed to keep his temper so that he keeps his priestly garment and his priestly position. And the Bible says Caiaphas was very angry and he turned his garment before Jesus Christ. Then Jesus Christ kept his priestly position. If Jesus Christ had opened his mouth to speak to Caiaphas, he was going to be stripped in the kingdom of his father. But this law was not given by the devil, it was given by God. So it's God that was going to slip Jesus Christ from his power. Then the Bible says Caiaphas was angry and he said, no, this man can't talk. Let's take him to Pontius Pilate. The Bible says when Jesus Christ was before Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate came unto Jesus and said unto Jesus, These people, they are laying accusation against you. What do you say and what can you say about what these people are talking about? And the Bible says Jesus was too quiet before Pontius Pilate. Who was Pontius Pilate and what was Pontius Pilate? Pontius Pilate was the governor of the world of the Jewish community and working for the Roman Emperor. So Jesus now has managed to keep his school and has managed to keep the garment and the anointing of the priestly. Now he's saying before Pontius Pilate, now the mystery of blame shifting and responsibilities. Now it's before Pontius Pilate. Jesus is carrying the governmental authority. Isaiah 9, the Bible says, a child has been born unto us. 
and a son has been given, which means children are born, but sons are given. So a son has been given, and upon his shoulders there shall be government. And of the increase of the government, there shall be peace and righteousness until it's established upon the throne of deity. And the Bible continues to say, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. So he knew that when I'm coming to the earth, Jesus, I'm not only killing anointing, I'm not only killing the responsibility to keep the disciples, but I'm sharing governing authority. So he's taking out to the governors of this world and of the civilization. And Peter said, what can you say against these accusations? And Jesus Christ continued to be quiet. And Peter's pilot was angry again, but they didn't know that it's a mystery in the kingdom of God, that you don't speak. In the kingdom of God, being quiet is a battle and it's a strategy and a weapon that you can use to win wars. That's why the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. So when you are still, it doesn't mean that you are done, and it doesn't mean that you are down. You are in a strategy, you are battling your battles. Glory to Jesus. It's not every battle where you're supposed to speak. It's not every battle where you're supposed to open your mouth. When God is silent in your life, he's speaking. When God is not raising his voice in your life, he's speaking. But we are not trained by our preachers and pastors to hear the voice of God that is silent out together. There is an audible voice in the silent voice of God. So when now Jesus is placed before Pontius Pilate, Pilate is angry now. And he's saying, are you the king of the Jews? Come on, somebody. And Jesus Christ is quiet so that he may keep his governing authority. And Pontius Pilate, he was angry. And the Bible says, Pontius said, let us take him to Herod. Herod was the king. And Jesus Christ is now the king again who represents a spiritual world. And when he was taken to Herod, Herod was so happy because it was his first time to meet with Jesus Christ. And it was within the Jews' restriction of, of Herod to deal with the matter that pertains to Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus was a Jew by birth. And Herod was a Jew by birth. So it was within the jurisdiction of Herod. And the Bible says when Herod saw Jesus, he asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus Christ, he was very quiet. Why is he quiet? He's keeping his kingly power and authority. It's a mystery and a secret in the kingdom of God. And the Bible says, Herod was angry. How can I prophesy like a Philistine? And he said, you brought to me a person who does not speak. He was quiet. And the Bible says, when he was quiet like that, they started now to mock Jesus Christ. They started to put a thorn, a, 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 a crown of thorns. They started to put comments upon Jesus Christ to try to mock Jesus. But he was quiet. When now Herod realized that Jesus Christ is not going to open his mouth, he said, take back Jesus to Pontius Pilate. He kept his school and he kept his priestly and kingly authority. Can I prophesy like a Philistine? That's what used to happen in the Old Testament. When the priest is about to leave office, another priest was called to stand before that priest. And that priest was supposed to tear the garment 
The theory of the government that could mark the end of the office of the old priesthood and the coming of the office of the new priesthood. So when Caiaphas did that because he was angry, he didn't know that he was marking a new dispensation of priesthood in the altar of Melchizedek up together. And it used to happen again in Old Testament that when a governor is about to leave, another governor comes. You don't speak before another governor until and unless you are inaugurated to become a permanent and a legitimate governor. So Jesus Christ knew everything because Old Testament it was an antitype of the New Testament. Can I prophesy like a Philip? And it was being practiced again in Old Testament that when another king is leaving and another king is coming in, you are brought to a king that is about to leave. And when you stand before the presence of a king that has been there, you are marking the end of that kingship. You are marking the end of that kingdom. And you are bringing a new kingdom. I want to prophesy over your life that you are not a fool when you keep, you keep it quiet. You are not dumb when you are quiet. But you are in a battle. Glory to Jesus. There are times when you are supposed to speak. And there are times when you are supposed to be quiet. There are times when you are supposed to shout. That's why God said unto Joshua, as you are going to circle the walls of Jericho, I want you to be quiet for seven days. But on the seventh day, I want you to open your mouth and shout. I prophesy, I prophesy that there is a sound that is coming in your life. There is a sound that is coming into life. Glory to Jesus. Can I prophesy like a feeling? There is a sound of power that is coming to you. I'm not going to blame the devil for what is happening in my life. Why? Because when I blame him, I give him power. The moment you say things are tight for me, you are empowering poverty. When you are afraid, you are empowering your fears. When you say I am told of money, I'm broke and I'm lacking, you are empowering being broke and being lacking. So don't blame what you're going to glory to Jesus. The moment you say my boss, you know, is the, is the troublemaker in my life. You are just empowering your boss. I'm here to prophesy to somebody that you are not what people say that you are. But I want the word of God say that you are. You are chain power, you are chain authority. The devil is not going to whisper in your life. But you are in a battle. That's why the Bible says, our weapons, they are not carnal, but they are mighty in breakdown of every stronghold. Tight, according to me, tough, but don't 
set of rules. Our rules are spiritual rules. Even though we are in this world, we are not of this world, but you represent a better world. Can I prophesy like a fit? I'm not designed to operate with what I'm seeing. That's why Apostle Paul said that what you see is temporal, but what you don't see is permanent. Which simply means that if you are seeing yourself in poverty situation, it just means that it's temporal. That which I was yet seeing, that what is a permanent. If you see yourself broken, it means that it's temporal. That which I was seeing is that which is permanent. Can I put something like a finish? So Apostle Paul said that when he says that it's temporal, the word temporal it means ephemeral. The word temporal it means unreliable. So which simply means that when I'm looking at myself, my car is visible and is seeable. Which simply means that it's temporal. But what drives me is unseeable. That's why sometimes when you feel like throwing in the towel, but there is a first job to let you. Why? Because that which drives you is permanent. There are sometimes when you feel like you want to keep up in life, keep in the life. But there is a push, there is a drive in your life. Why? Because what you don't see is permanent. I'm not driven by a message, but I'm driven by God. Can I prophesy like a fish? Come on, somebody shout amen. Can I prophesy like a fish? That's why David is saying that he goes under the secret place of the master and God. So abide under the shadow of the Almighty. For I will say of the Lord is my refugee and my fortress. My God and him I trust. He is my butler, my shield, and my protection. I am gonna be afraid of the pestilence at that time. Later am I gonna be afraid of the destruction that comes at that time. Later am I gonna be afraid of the enemies that comes at no day. A thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my side. But they are not going to come like me. Why? Because God is giving charge unto his angels. So that I may not fall against a stone. I got to prophesy to somebody in this blessing that you are not going to suffer in 2021. Why? Because you are driven by the Spirit of God. That's why Apostle Paul said that we have got a spirit that is in us. That Christ had God said our Father. He will be a witness with us. So that's why Apostle Paul got just to say that we don't know how to pray as we ought to. But the Holy Spirit that grows in me, he knows the mind of God, he deserves the mind of God. So when I'm supposed to pray for the British, the Holy Ghost knows that I must pray for my Irish. When I'm supposed to pray for a crash, the Holy Spirit knows that I'm supposed to pray for a breakthrough. Accept 
That you may replenish the earth. 
But when are you acting? I don't see you. Take it two minutes after me. I don't see you. Multiplying atoms. Why? Because after they transmit power to the table. I come to prophesy into life. In our families, there are people that transmit power to the enemy. That's why we are being limited. We can't cross over to the other side. But God sent me this money. But I'm a teacher from Egypt to Kenanish. God said unto Moses that I've seen the affliction of my people. I was blessed so that I may bless people that are 
impede my civilization. Come on, somebody. Lift up your hands and start to pray. Carlos, take the altar. Jairo, Susha, Kapar, Ante, Telebe, Rota. Marco, Telebe, Suta, Kapar, Ante. God say it unto Abraham. I'm going to bless those that are going to bless And I'll kiss those that are going to kiss you. La Pose, Marte, Kemenos, Ita, Nama, Rota. Shalom, Ops, Marte, Kemenos, Ita, Kapar, Ante. Yes, I pray. Any altar 
us that temple is using to provoke my name, my destiny, my visions, my dreams. Say I'm breaking a scatter. Say I'm breaking a scatter. Say I'm decreating any artifacts that represents me in the realms of the spirits. Yes, I pray. I set fire. Amen. Amen. You can move that time. 